This is the You Winning Life Podcast, your number one source for mastering a positive existence. Each episode, we'll be interviewing exceptional people, giving you empowering insights, and guiding you to extraordinary outcomes. Learn from specialists in the worlds of integrative and natural wellness, spirituality, psychology, and entrepreneurship. So you, too, can be winning life. Now, here's your host, licensed marriage and family therapist, certified neuro-emotional technique practitioner and certified entrepreneur coach jason wasser all right so everybody welcome back today i am incredibly honored and grateful to have dr bill dorfman and he's out in la as you've already heard in the uh, bio beginning and um i really dr bill i really want to thank you this morning i know it's earlier there on the west coast than it is here but i know we have a lot to accomplish and tackle in the next 30 minutes that i have with you well, thanks for having me, Jason. Thank you. So number one, one of the conversations I love having with people is what made them know for certain that the career that they chose was the career for them. And I know a lot of times it happens after because they might have you know, inherited going into that field or they may have known early. But when for you, did you absolutely completely know that A, being a dentist was what you wanted to do? And then two, when did you decide to go into that idea of being like the Michael Jordan of your field? Well, I mean, you actually asked me like three different things. So <laughs> the, the first thing is, when did I, you know, decide I wanted to be a dentist? I, I, I literally fell into dentistry. I was a little kid. I fell down. I knocked out my baby teeth. And I started having to go to the dentist to fix them. And we just had a great family dentist. And I was the oldest of five kids. So when my little brothers and my sister would come, I would kind of like shadow him, you know, and see what he did to them. I saw what he did to me. And I thought, wow, this is really cool. I want to do this. I mean, I know a lot of kids would have been horrified having gone through what I went through, but I don't know. I, I was always a weird kid. It just kind of really was fascinating to me. So even as a little kid, I always said I want to be a dentist. The second question you asked me is, you know, when did I realize that dentistry was really my calling? Mm -hmm. And I'll tell you, um, after dental school, I did a residency program in Switzerland, and it was an amazing opportunity. And I'm going to kind of tell you how I got into it because I teach a motivational leadership program called LEAP every summer for high school and college kids. It's a nonprofit where we basically teach students how to be successful in life. And, you know, there's a great lesson to be learned in this. So I'm about to graduate dental school. I was the youngest graduate in pretty much the whole country. I was uh, 23 years old, graduating dental school. I'm going to be a doctor. And I realized I'd never been anywhere. I mean, we grew up super poor. I, you know, I had never traveled. The only traveling I ever did, I was a, I was a gymnast. So I, I traveled with the UCLA football team. I would do acrobats at football games. That was it, you know. And so I thought, you know, before I settled down and am really tethered to an area, because as a dentist, you can't move around a lot. Um, I thought I, I'd like to live abroad. So I found this clinic in Switzerland, Lausanne, Switzerland, called the Polyclinic Dantaire at the Chouve. And uh, 
Unfortunately, they only had one position and 400 applicants. Well, I was bound and determined to be that person. So I had 20 of my professors in dental school write me glowing letters of recommendation. And you know how I know they were great? I don't know. I wrote them all. <laughs> okay, it's the best way to get a second. great letter. You ask a professor to write it. There's always a hesitation because it's like, ah, I have to write another letter and say, hey, I'll write it if you'll personalize it. Awesome. I soon realized that the 20 letters were getting me nowhere. So then I started calling the director. Well, back in 1983, making a long distance phone call was not easy. You know, you had to get the long distance operator and it was expensive. And I mean, it took a a lot. So I started calling on a weekly basis and I soon realized that was getting me nowhere. Mm -hmm. And then I had what I call at least a life defining moment. And, you know, sometimes you plan them, sometimes you don't. And I didn't plan this at all. I, in fact, I don't even know where it came from. I think somewhere in my past, I had heard that the best way to really get to know somebody in business is to take them to lunch. So I said to the director, his name was Monsieur Schreier. I said, can I take you to lunch? He goes, lunch. I said, yeah. He goes, but you're in San Francisco and I'm in Switzerland. I said, I know, but I'll fly out. He said, okay, fine. Well, the funniest thing is I had no money. Like I couldn't just fly out. So I had to borrow money to fly out and meet him, and he hired me. And I can assure you that out of 400 applicants, I was the only one that had 20 letters of recommendation, had called him at least 10 times, and then sealed the deal by flying out. You know, I wasn't just a piece of paper on his desk anymore. I was a living, breathing person. And you could see how much I wanted a job. So I got it. How does someone create that experience without, because the the powerfulness of that story is that it works. The other side of the story is, especially in today's society where we're getting bombarded, and I'm sure you do, you get all the time, whether it's LinkedIn or whatever, all these people that are trying to sell themselves to you versus actually creating the value, creating a relationship first. Today with today's social media and, and marketing and all that stuff, how what's the line to not cross? In other words, how can you leverage everything you did there, but to avoid where it would now become a turnoff. Cause I see that happening all the time where I'm like, Oh, your business would be really cool to do something for my marketing, but you just, but that person reached out and I'm like, you just, that was, it's just way too much right now. You're getting, well, so, the, one of the taglines that leap is successful people are willing to do the things that unsuccessful people are not willing to do. And I think that that really rang true in this case. Now, Mm -hmm. how much is enough and when is it too much? I think you just have to feel it out. I mean, every situation is different. But part two of your question was, you said, when did I really know that dentistry was my calling? And I think it was there Um, and in dental school, because in that clinic, I was practicing with about 15 other dentists. Mm -hmm. And I soon realized that, you know, a lot of these guys were really struggling. Like dentistry was hard for them. It was never hard for me. It, it was, it, it was always so 
logical and methodical. And it's funny because I once treated this woman who was supposed to be this very, very famous psychic. And I'm sitting here working on her. And as I'm working on her, I could see that she's staring in my eyes. And all of a sudden she says, stop. Now I'm not like a big believer in psychics and all this stuff. I'm like, okay. So I stop. She says, I know what you're thinking. And to myself, I'm like, she's full of it. Like, she doesn't know what I'm thinking because I'm not thinking anything. I'm literally in like autopilot, right? Yeah. I mean, that's just how I work. Like, I'm in this zone, right? And I'm like, okay, what? She goes, you're not thinking at all. You're in autopilot. I'm like, whoa. Like, I couldn't believe it. Like she literally took the words out of my brain uh-huh. and reiterated them to me. I'm like, whoa. So, you know, that was part two of your three-part question. And part three was, you know, how did I become a Michael Jordan of dentistry? Well, you know that thing I said, you know, successful people are willing to do the things unsuccessful people are not willing to do. I was very fortunate when I first started my career, a woman I went to high school with came into my office and um, needed some work and asked if I'd barter with her. And I'm like, well, what do you do? She says, well, I'm a publicist. Mm -hmm. I'm like, well, what does that do? And I had no idea. And so she explained it to me and I really wasn't sold. But on the other hand, I thought, what the heck? I'll give it a try. Well, one of the smartest things I ever did, because she started pitching me for, you know, newspaper articles, magazine articles, TV shows, and it just grew and grew and grew. And one of the other things I teach at LEAP is don't wait for opportunities, make them. And when you get an opportunity, don't just take it, master it. Mm -hmm. So, I think the part of my career that propelled me into like this whole new stratosphere was when ABC put me on extreme makeover. Right. And I realized very shortly into the the filming that I stunk on TV. I mean, really bad. Like I got the dental part, but the TV and like, I was really bad and you know, the phrase a deer in headlights, Mm -hmm. that was me, Dr. Bill in headlights. So, um, but I was smart enough to know how bad I was. So I was proactive. I took acting classes, hosting classes, teleprompting. I, I joined the groundlings improv theater. You know, I hired the woman who worked with all the kids on American Idol to sit and interview me in these mock interviews with, uh, with another person. And, you know, and then we would, tape it and analyze all the bad stuff I was doing. And, you know, and I worked and I worked and I worked and I worked And Eventually, you know, that translated into me not only being the only dentist on the show. I mean, they had hairstylists, makeup artists, plat- I was the only dentist on ABC's Extreme Makeover. And I produced almost all my own segments. You know, I, you know, when the, when, when they would do like a breast augmentation, that was an eight hour procedure with a whole team of people there. 
when I was doing dentistry, I had three rooms going at once and I brought three different shirts and I'd work in room one, then change the shirt and have my associate come and help me mm. finish up and then work in room two. And work. I saved ABC millions of dollars throughout the, the course of that, of that show. Amazing. So the, the simplicity process is something I talk about with all my clients of finding the things that you're really, really good at, leveraging everything out to the people that you know are experts at that, bringing them into your life. Sometimes it's free because you can find a podcast or a YouTube video on that. Or sometimes like you did, like you have to go find the people who are experts and thankfully you're in the the, the, the California area. So finding all the types of coaches are, are incredibly accessible there. When you were first getting started and you were at, I'm assuming there was student loans and, and stuff like that. Like how, when did you, the investments into yourself versus like, okay, this is just a business thing versus a personal development thing versus like, I can really do something big. I can really, like when, when, especially with the publicist, when did you have this, like, this can be big. This could be like right now. I know you have the, 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 right. the other businesses you've created. You're an author. You're doing all these really incredible projects. When did you have that like light bulb really turn on? Well, you know, it's funny. I, I grew up pretty poor. And, you know, when you start making money, everybody wants you to invest in this, invest in that, you know. Um, and um, I never did. I always just invested in me. Um, I know that if I start a company and run the company, I'm not going to lose my money because I will do everything I need to do to make money. Um, and so in 1989, tooth whitening started to become pop popular. Yeah. And I looked at the systems that were out there and they were all horrid. And I actually got a phone call from the leading company at the time called, it was called Omni. And um, they said, you know, Dr. Bill, you sell more tooth whitening than any other dentist in the world. How do you do it? I said, well, I, you know, I'm in Beverly Hills. I've got Hollywood. I got this. I got that. So while I have you on the phone. I want to tell you something. And so I started telling them all the things that I thought they could do to improve the product. And they're like, you're 27. Like, thank you. Bye. And they just hung up on me. And, you know, there's this really weird thing that's happened in my life where every time I honestly and truly just committed to doing something philanthropically, I ended up making a lot of money. Mm. So I was at a charity auction. I was, you know, there to help raise money for children's cancer research. And I met a man and um, we became best friends and still are. And he was the son of Fred Heyman. Fred Heyman created Giorgio Cosmetics. In fact, Fred Heyman created Beverly Hills and Robert was an MBA. He grew up in, you know, the cosmetic industry. So he understood marketing and advertising and how to, you know, manufacture, produce products. And I told him my ideas for tooth whitening and we formed a company called Discus Dental and we launched Nightwhite. And, you know, Nightwhite was, you know, our first product and, you know, it grew and grew and grew by the end of, you know, two or three years, we were the most popular tooth whitening product on the market. And then we invented Zoom. And I love telling people I invented Zoom. Um, they don't realize it's not video conferencing, right. but it was still a good Zoom. 
And, you know, and we grew that company uh, to almost $200 million in sales before we sold it to Philips. In fact, our gross revenue from the time we started the company to the time we sold was $1.3 billion. Mm. And these numbers, right, you get, right you've, you've already referenced twice that you grew up poor. And, and I was a scholarship kid, uh, went from public school to, to a private day school. And I'm thankful for the, for the love that I got in the community for me to get there. And I never had this, I never knew what it could be to become successful because I grew up in South Florida and I had this mindset and it's very simple. It's very similar probably to like that Beverly Hills, LA, you know, there's the haves and the have nots. And I went to school with a lot of kids that were getting their Range Rovers for, you know, 16 year old birthday. And I'm like, and I'm the scholarship kid. So I had this mindset for so many years of correlating money with not being the world's greatest person. And the only time that money was good was if you were doing charitable things, but I didn't see a lot of those people or wasn't able to get in front of a lot of those people as a young adult. And once I started seeing this through entrepreneurship, through leadership, through coaching, through working with the people who had that mindset, just like you do, everything started changing for me. And I think that's one of the things that I love sharing with people who are listening to these shows is the psychology behind success. The psychology behind money has to change from our family of origin Totally. My mantra in life is learn so you can earn and then return. Mm. That's the process. Yeah. And that's where I am now. You know, I mean, look at my career has exceeded every expectation I ever had. I mean, I never thought I'd be on two primetime TV shows. I never thought I'd have two Guinness World Book records. I never thought I'd be knighted. Sir, right. Sir, Dr. William, go, I like all these things. I, I you know, but it's it just ridiculous. kept coming and coming and coming. And I, I think, you know, I had this huge epiphany with Oprah, you know, when, when um, in 2006, you know, I, I don't know if you've ever done, but when you're on a, a talk show like The Tonight Show or Ellen or Rosie or, or any of these, Basically, they, they stick you in a little room with a producer and they ask you questions for about an hour. Then they cherry pick the stuff they like the best. Right. And then when you're on stage, you're filming. It's called live to take. It, it's not live. But when you look at it at home, it looks like it's live. Right. Right. And so you pretty much know what they're going to ask you because you just practice. Right. Oprah doesn't do that. Oprah has such an extensive team of researchers that Oprah knows more about you than you know about you. And so when you're on stage, you never know what she's going to ask. And she wants your raw, unfiltered answer. And when I met Oprah and she said, Dr. Bill, you've had a career unlike any other dentist in the history of dentistry. What inspires you to think so far outside the box? That was not a common phrase at the time. And my honest reply was, what box? Right. I just never even, like, I've never put ceilings on myself. I, it's like, you know, if I want to do something, I'm going to do it. And I never fail, ever. Why? If I do something and it doesn't come out the way I want it to, that's not failure. It's practice. Then you do it again and again and again and again and again until you get the results you want. But here's the big one. People always say, 
practice makes perfect. No, practice makes permanent. Mm -hmm. So if you're not getting those results you want, get a mentor, you know, go online, learn, do something different because you really actually only fail when you quit. And I'm not a quitter. If there's something I really, really want, I'm not going to quit. I'll do it. Well, we usually get stuck because you know the, the idea of a New Year's resolution is always the best example of this, is that people's New Year's resolution usually at last, if we're lucky, that month of January. And it's because they're just doing an action step change versus a attitude belief system change. And I think what you're offering is exactly that. It's a belief system change. It's You have to get out of your own head, out of your own structure, out of your own thinking system, out of your own beliefs, and and expand that to realize that the limitations that are in your profession, right? I had a conversation uh, an hour ago with a, a therapist who owns multiple practices. And we were talking about how none of this stuff is, ta- is really taught to us in graduate school. So all of those things that we're dealing with really has that mentality of we have to see people who are outside of our lens that can really give us much more than what we have been trained and so to speak manipulated to see. And I think that's really the, the beautiful thing that you're doing. And I want to tie that into totally. uh, And I'll yeah. tell you what else, you know, I, I, I mean, I work with so many students and the biggest reason why people don't attempt things is fear of failure. I don't know. Maybe I'm stupid. I've never had that ever. Like, I mean, I've never thought, Oh gosh, I'm not going to try that. Cause I might fail. Like, to me, that's the fun. That's the challenge. Like, okay, I'm going to beat this. You know, like if you say, hey, Dr. Bill, you can't do this. To me, you just like threw down the gauntlet. Like, I will do it, you know? Right, right. So I don't get that, you know, the fear of failure. I mean, if you don't try anything in life, you'll never get anything in life. And I think that maybe puts people into two camps. There's people who are personality predisposed or temperament predisposed like you. And then there's the people who, who are waiting for permission or grow up in a culture or society or structure where they need that permission. And remember, a lot of the people that taught us, they only can teach us to the level that they went to. So if we say something that we want to try out of the box, a lot of times because of their own insecurities and fears or their own failures – We'll say, oh no, no, you can't do that, or you shouldn't try to do that. And I think what you're offering, and what I, what I, what I'm, what I'm offering on this platform is, th- those aren't the people to go talk to. P- find the people who are the best in your field and get in front of them, like you said, a mentor or a coach, whatever it may be. And then those people who are on that path are already achieving that. That's the people you want to get into. And and I know we only have a few minutes left, and I really do want to talk to you about philanthropy. That you've already you talked about the Lee program, and I know you also have. Uh, a collaboration with with Gar- Garth Brooks. Um, break those down for us, because I, I just, the the philanthropy field is not talked about enough. We know that in the world of entrepreneurship and successful uh, business people or whatever are, are, are involved in, in 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 this philanthropy field, but it's not talked about enough. Walk us through your process. How did you okay. get involved? How can so, someone get involved? This is another example of us my company actually committing to just doing something philanthropically and it became incredibly profitable for us. There's a group of dentists called the crown council. It's run by Greg and Steve Anderson and brothers. And 
they called us up and said, look, we have an idea for a whitening campaign. People will whiten their teeth. And instead of writing a check to the dentist, they write it to Smiles for Life. We do it at a reduced fee and all the money will go to children's charity. So would you sell us, since we have the most popular whitening system on the market, would you sell us your whitening product at your cost? So I talked with my partner. We called him back. We said, absolutely not. We'll just give it to you. And they're like, what? We said, we'll donate it. So Garth and I did public service announcements, basically saying, if you'd like to uh, brighten your smile and help a child smile for life, call one eight seven seven four smiles You'll be directly connected to a dentist in your area. And then Discus Dental, my company, would donate the whitening product. Um, over the years, we've raised over $45 million for children's charities. But the thing that I wasn't even thinking about when we made that commitment is that these 3,000 dentists who are part of the Crown Council are our biggest customers. I mean, these are diehard men and women that are so committed to raising money through philanthropy. And because our company was giving them all this product, they would buy all of our products. So it was a really, really nice surprise. Um, the second is LEAP. LEAP is a motivational leadership program, like I said, for high school and college kids. It teaches kids skills they won't learn in high school. Um, the last live program we had was 2019. 2020 was completely virtual. This program, 2021, was a hybrid. We had 50 students live and the rest was virtual. And from now on, we'll continue to do that. I mean, hopefully 2022, we'll be back to 500 live and maybe, a, you know, 1,000, 2,000, 3, who knows, virtual. But we bring in these amazing speakers, um, Mark Wahlberg, Anthony Hopkins, Kathy Bates, Michael Strahan, Paula Abdul, um, on and on and on and on. So if any of you out there have kids 15 to 25, please send them to this program. You could go to... Uh, leapfoundation.com and get information. It is a phenomenal program and kids learn so much. Incredible. Right. You know, the, the idea of stakeholders, which you were talking about the dentists a moment ago that were already using your product and already saw the benefit of your product and why they found it something useful to use to help people with this. I really have been thinking about this a lot the last six to 12 months, especially during the pandemic of people who are buying into you because they believe in what you're doing and believe in what your mission is as well as vice versa, right? That mutual mission, critical support. And again, this is something that I really want to impress upon people with that, right? As, as we're listening to those, you're listening as you're listening to Dr. Bill share this, right? It's, it's your mission, your purpose that you're not only trying to do for yourself, but you're trying to get people to buy into it. Cause that makes it easy, right? When you created that phone number, People were donating. They were buying into that mission. So yes, even though you're donating and there's cost of product, but people were, it was enhancing the amount of people that it can get in front of. Totally. And it was, it was a win, win, win because, you know, people come in, they get brighter smiles and they're donating the money to charity. So it was awesome. Yeah. So what's next? What's the next big Thing. So what's, next, what's... I'm actually launching two new products this year. So we sold uh, Discus Dental to Philips in 2010. 
I had to sign a pretty strict non-compete. So I'm working with a company called Great HealthWorks. Uh, They have a very popular product called um, Omega XL, and they do tons and tons of infomercials. So they're going to launch our new tooth whitening product. Um, The name of it is Poof, P-O-O-O-F with three O's. Um, and it will be out sometime this year. And then I'm launching a chewing gum. Um, I don't like coffee, but I love caffeine. So a lot of times, like I would have like a Red Bull or I would have an energy drink. So this is a caffeinated chewing gum and, um, it's really good and it works great. It's great for like a pre-workout thing. It's awesome. That's incredible. So number one, again, thank you so much for, for the time and, and again, the, all the things and I want people to hear this, right? You start off in a career, not even knowing where you're going to go. You get in front of the right people. You find a mentor, you find your passion, you find your purpose. And then all of a sudden things are going to start unfolding. And I really want people to hear that message of, of your success, Dr. Bill, of uh, one congratulations on, on everything you've achieved so far and will continue to achieve. Thank um, you. And, and, and I know that the more, like you said, right, that when you're going out and you're setting out to do something good for someone else, it's going to come back in return. And I do want people to hear that. Like, you know, the entrepreneurship, I personally believe that entrepreneurship is a personal development platform if utilized right, no matter what field, whether it's medical or accounting or real estate, right? But if you can take it to one, make yourself better and you can help make the world better, then then that's really something powerful and beautiful. And I really want to thank you for, for sharing how you've done that for the world. Well, thanks for the opportunity. All right. Well, I'm looking forward to, to hearing next after this big project gets launched and having you back and then hearing what the next projects are after that. Thank you. Thanks for listening to the You Winning Life Podcast. If you are ready to minimize your personal and professional struggles and maximize your potential, we would love it if you subscribe so you don't miss an episode. You can follow us on Instagram and Facebook at You Winning Life.